This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch! Race win! Race win! Race win! And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to one. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive, hit well on the air towards right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show as we celebrate a return to the postseason. We'll chat with team MVP Mike Zanino about that recognition. Arrestes Distrada will join me from Valley Sports Sun to discuss Wander Franco's return. We'll visit with Durham manager Brady Williams on their championship year. Team president Matt Silverman will look back at a terrific regular season. We'll discuss what being with this team has meant to Dietrich Enns and discuss pitching guru Dewey Robinson's decision to step away. We continue on this week in race baseball, and our guest right now is the MVP of the 2021 team. That is Mike Sanino. Mike, congratulations. What does it mean to hear that? Uh, thank you, first of all. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm extremely honored. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's a real special team. There's a lot of talented guys in here, guys that are having great years. And uh, just to be in consideration is, uh, you know, is an honor. So, uh, you know, I'm just happy I can be here, uh, help this team out any way I can, and uh, hopefully continue to, to win ball games and get that push towards October. When has this season and the year you've had right? Uh, a lot. You know, I mean, I, I think when you uh, see hard work come to fruition and, and pay off, you know, it, it, it's rewarding. But uh, I, I think when that happens, you know, you start resetting your bar and resetting your goals of what you'd like to accomplish. And, uh, you know, to me, it's just trying to be as simple as possible, continue to grow every day, uh, you know, continue to learn my craft and, you know, stay as disciplined as I can. Has it justified your decision to come back to the race, having this kind of year? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you know, it's my, my first off, I wanted to, you know, it's about as justified as making the playoffs because that's what I wanted to do. I mean, after you sniff that for, you know, two years getting to the World Series, I wanted to get back there again. You know, to come back here, for us to be in the book that we're in, uh, it's pretty special. And then, uh, you know, for, for the personal stuff, it, it is. You know, I, I I believe that there's a lot of really intelligent people in this organization that can really help players, and uh, I'm just one of them. And uh, just looking to continue to learn and get better. You're being quite humble. I mean, the year that you've had, when you hear the word valuable, what is valuable to a team? Uh, I think consistency. Uh, I think that as, as to be as consistent as you can in, in all aspects, whether you're, it's just being a good person, a teammate, uh, you know, your work uh, that you're putting in every day. Uh, the more consistent you can be, uh, you know what you can get as an outcome. And uh, I think as guys continue to do that, learn to become true professionals. That's that's the ultimate goal. You know, it's where you find true value. Value is different areas of the field. You're obviously your offensive output. I think your defense has always been valued. You've caught 38 different pitchers. I'm not going to ask you to name them all. <laughs> Could you if I asked you to? 
it may take me a minute, but I think I could rattle through most of them. But uh, th that's something I take a lot of pride in. And, uh, you know, we're in a unique spot, you know, as catchers taking care of other people where their careers may lie and what, what may happen. So I take a lot of pride in that. I want to put those guys in the best situations possible every time I'm, I'm back there. And, uh, you know, so, some years it's it's clean and it's not 38. Some years it's 38. And, you know, if it's more than that, you know, we'll be happy to get to that too. But uh, all those guys uh, from 1 to 38 have been extremely important to this organization and what we've gone to this year and, uh, you know, deserve as much praise as anybody. You told me that the playoffs were the most important thing. So if I would have told you in March you're only going to get Tyler Glass now to mid-June. You'll only have Nick Anderson for the latter part of September. We'll hardly see Chaz Rowe, Chris Archer, Oliver Drake, and there's probably several others in that group I could repeat. What would you have told me about the way this year would go? Uh, it would have been a lot more difficult to get to October, but uh, it's funny when I had some conversations early in the year, early in spring, uh, right after I signed with, with Eric and and snide um it, we knew coming from a 60 game season going into a 162 that it's going to be built a little bit different and i think what you have to do is tip your cap to those guys in the front office for filling this organization with a lot of depth knowing that you know stuff was going to happen and uh They've done a great job of doing that. Because, I mean, the, the product that we keep putting on the mound, we've got, whether it's pitcher 37, 38, 39, is, is as good as anybody in the big leagues. Is this the best staff you've got? Uh, it's the best 38-person <laughs> staff I've got. <laughs> uh, but when you look at, yeah, when you when you start looking at these young arms from, from top to bottom and what the potential is and what their stuff does, uh, I mean, you're, you're talking about um, – this could be a, a top rotation in the league for years to come. And uh, as long as these guys continue to work, continue to grow, uh, learn their craft, I think they're going to be able to be in a good spot for a long time. Because I want, I think it's important to enjoy the now. Yeah. But you look forward and you think a rotation funded by McClanahan, Coutinho, Boz, Rasmussen, and some others, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think, you know, you said it best there, is that, you know, you want to think about the now. I think... What's most important is, you know, just following the task at hand, you know, just trying to win a ball game every night. Um, but, you know, this experience that we can give these guys, you know, getting into the playoffs, learning how to pitch in these big spots, you know, it's only going to help them down the road. This, this organization is built to win for a long time. So all those little experiences, if you don't win that one year, you hopefully can take those experiences, use that to push you further, and then make that next step next year. You know, we always talk about pitching and defense with the Rays, but this is, one of, this is the highest scoring team in franchise history. You've had your best year of career offensively. What's allowed for it? Oh, man, I don't know. I think guys, just, just their trust. I, I think, you know, there was some justification, you know, getting to where we did last year. And, uh, you know, that, that feeling of, of guys, whether they were young guys feeling they belong in the big leagues or, you know, guys that have maybe been around for a while that, that sort of found their footing. And, uh, you know, I, I think just trusting that process and, and, and trusting our abilities has really let us free up and, and play a style of baseball that's more accustomed to, to what we really can be. All right, if I would have told you in March you're going to have a 30-plus home run season, what would you have told me? I would have been pretty happy if, it was, if I knew it was going to be true. But uh, <laughs> quite honestly, you know, it's like I, I've tried to be as, as simple-minded as I could, not get caught up in the results, just try to take every pitch, every at-bat at the same time. My cage work has not deviated um, for majority of the year. <laughs> 
I may have hit BP on the field maybe three times this year. Um, I just there's just stuff that I challenge myself to stay disciplined with, and uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping that continues to pay off and that work is still uptick in the right direction. Everyone's different. Why don't you hit on the field? Why don't you like to hit on the field? Um, I I enjoy taking my time, feeling swing to swing. Uh, you know the the, the rapidness of BP, and um, you know for a guy like me, I get I get caught up in seeing how far I can hit the ball sometimes, and. You know, it, it really has nothing to do with that. You know, it just it just comes down to how effectively I can make my move in the box. We touch on your value as a team MVP hitting and with the defense, but there's a value in terms of clubhouse. We don't get to see that now in person, but what makes a good clubhouse study? Uh, I, I think just being personal, being yourself. Uh, you know, you could, you could have bad stretches, you're going to have good stretches, but you just got to be the same guy day in and day out. You know, it, it's a long season, and uh, there, there's going to be ups and downs. But at the same time, you know, you got to be the person that you are. Be a good teammate. Know that other players are going through that as well. And, uh, you know, sort of have a feel for what's doing. There's nothing, nothing more than just being personable and, and uh, you know, showing that you care for your teammates. You've got to be carrying in the, at the home, too. I'm guessing you'd make Alyssa your, your house MVP. What has she meant in her support this year to you, and how has that made it easier for you to perform this year? Oh, yeah, I mean, she's, heck, she's the MVP every year. I mean, if people understand what, you know, these baseball wives have to do on on a daily, yearly basis, uh, they would be astonished. But, uh, no, for, for myself, you know, she's... I mean, she's the backbone of the whole family. She holds, you know, myself, you know, accountable and, and keeps me ready to go. And she has the kids always, you know, ready to go. And she never complains a single day about, you know, what she's doing. But I know she's she's tired. She works, she works extremely hard taking care of those two kids and myself. And, and I'm just grateful to have, you know, such a loving loving wife and mom at home that I know, you know, is holding down the fort. So... What does the MVP mean to her then? I'm like, oh, for that. I hope she knows it's as much hers as it is mine because uh, she's been through every up and down with me, and uh, you know it, it's something shared. I've always said that from the get go. Uh, this is this is not an individual one. Um, this this goes to everybody that that's around you, and she's around me the most, and uh, it really helps me get through some tough times and uh, help me get to this spot today. Within that clubhouse, Chad Matola and Paul Hoover, I know, have had a big influence on you. How much have they meant to you in this season, and what have they? in terms of how they've helped you get to this point? Uh, a lot. You know, it's one of those things where they're, they're, they're constantly, you know, like building on the growth that, that's there. I mean, I, I think, you know, more so, you know, with with who you know we, we've had a bunch of stuff that we've been able to go to like it's, like we've mentioned the, the, the catching um, has, has sort of been a strong suit a stronger suit uh, throughout my career so it's one of those things where being able to do that fine-tune it um, really helped me out receiving a bunch of things um, it keeps me ready to go every day and, and with Chad like I said it, it's one of those things where this was a two two-year process we started at the end after the 2019 season and built up and you know 2020 there wasn't much to to take away from it until the playoffs and then we continue to build on it going into this year so you know it, it, it's a long haul these guys have stuck through me stuck with me through thick and thin and, and I'm, I'm very appreciative for it what have you enjoyed the most about this year uh, I think I, it's just club just winning coming to the field every day knowing you have a chance to win and uh, you know it, it makes coming to the field every day really enjoyable and uh, you know I've been on some teams where the, the feeling's not that way, but uh, everyone here pulls for one another. You know, you're excited to come to the field, uh, you know, catch up with the guys, and, uh, you know, it, it really makes a long year feel feel rather quick. The American League East is what everyone talked about after you clinched the playoffs earlier in the week. Why is it so important? Uh, I mean, I, I think to, you know, 
one, hopefully set up something for the long haul in, in, in the playoff run. But for us, and yeah, I think it's like you said, it's, it's justification of, of what we've built here. And I think it's a winning culture. I think there's a lot of talent here. And uh, when, when you start looking at divisions across baseball, I mean, it's one of the most competitive divisions, if not the most competitive division. And uh, you know, to, to be able to say that you won it in a 60-game season is, uh, is an accolade. But to say that you won it through a 162-game stretch, now that's, that's something they're going to be proud of. Did last year's 60-game season help spur this year in any way, shape, or form? How much did last year help with this year? Uh, I mean, I think it, it just showed our, our ability, uh, you know, our true ability. And, uh, you know, it, it was a much smaller sample size, but we were hit with a lot of adversity with with COVID, with the, the change of playoffs, with realignment of, of the 60-game season. And, and I, I just think it showed the adaptability of this team. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to, to adapt, try to be at the best of our game, and, uh, you know, continue to learn and be better. What did you learn in last year's postseason that could help you this match? Oh, man. The, the list is really long. But, uh, no, I just what to expect, knowing what teams are going to try to do, knowing, you know, how to how to sort of seize the moment, but but slow it down. Um, you know, the more games that you can play in those scenarios uh, and, and experience, uh, the better the better you can be from it. And you know, it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot you want to learn to slow the game down and and know the little nuances of what playoff baseball is about, but at the same time, you sort of want to let the reins go and just have fun and enjoy it because it's it's a fun ride. What will it mean to be in front of fans for the playoffs this year? Yeah, uh, it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, it's. I think going last year and, and missing out on that, you, you realize, you know, just what they mean to the game. I mean, this is why we play it. You know, the fan interaction, the ability to be able to, you know, put on a show for the people here, um, you know, is, is what we enjoy doing. And then ultimately when it comes to, you know, playing in front of our home fans, that's going to be, you know, I mean, the best of the best. I mean, we want to be able to come here. You know what? What sports teams have done here in the Tampa Bay area. We want to continue to, to build on that. The goal is to win a World Series. So finish the sentence for me. This team wins a World Series. Yeah. Uh, we continue to be ourselves. Uh, not not adjust or, or, or not manipulate who we've been all year. Continue to trust. You know what we've been doing. And, uh, you know, not hang on every moment. Just know that we're a good ball club and just play our game. Well, you've done that all year long. Congratulations on being team MVP. And we certainly appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. That's the MVP of the race this year, Mike Sonino. We're back right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons, and joining us now to discuss the week gone by, Russ Destrada of Bally Sports Sun. Oh, appreciate a few minutes. Yeah, buddy. Listen, exciting times, and obviously... That was just step one on Wednesday. Uh, they took it, you know, accordingly because they weren't, you know, sluggish last night. It was probably one of the most, or a couple nights ago, you know, last night, it was one of their most, you know, just simple wins that they've had in a long time. Everything clicked, pitching, hitting, defense, and uh, take care of business. Uh, many teams maybe after the day off, after clinching, playoffs might have had a little low, but, you know, that was step one. Step two is hopefully clinching the the real deal, the home field advantage AL East. Certainly. Um, and, you know, beyond that, we just had Mike Zanino on the program, team MVP. How impressive is his, has his year been to you? Um, you know what? More impressive has been his health and his defense because I don't think we had seen the full-on Mike Zanino defensively. And uh, he's had a great year defensively, actually better than his offense. But his offense has been very timely with his home runs. Obviously, the average could be a little higher, but his, his rest is good. And uh, and he's just been, uh, you know, a powerful hitting force. 
If I would have told you at the beginning of the year this team would be at 95 wins with eight games to go, would lose Tyler Glass now mid-June, would be without, you know, so many guys that they've lost from a pitching standpoint and still be in this spot, what would you have told me? Well, if, you, if it was with Tyler Glass now, I'd say, yeah, 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 no problem. But uh, with the losses of Tyler, the losses of uh, some other key bullpen guys for a good amount of time, and then having to replace those guys, uh, I would have said 95? Nah, but here we are. Indeed. And they got Wander Franco and Nelson Cruz back in the lineup yesterday. How important is that down this final week in change, and how vital are they to the race success going forward in the playoffs? Uh, I tell you what, the old man and Bonnie, not the old man in the sea, <laughs> but the old man and Bonnie, because he's from Bonnie, Dominican Republic, that is, and Nino Wander Franco, uh, have been surprising because, yeah, I expect them, them both to be good, the veteran and the, the young kid that's going to be a superstar. But they've had a lot of other influences, I think, in the clubhouse, their energy, their leadership, wanders, just all-around play and enthusiasm. We're so glad we have them back, and hopefully it keeps, uh, keeps going right through October. What's been most impressive owed to you about him this year to do what he's doing at 20? Uh, this is, I'll tell you exactly what it is. His, we're within about two and a half weeks, uh, realizing that his left-handed swing was lacking and was not keeping both hands on the bat. The moment he showed up from the right side, he was beautiful. And, uh, he, uh, you know, was crushing. And he's one of the best hitters in, I say, honestly, in the game from the right side right now. I'll put him against any lefty. But from the left side, he looked really weak. He was judgment on baseball, tracking out, looking, swinging, hitting like balls weekly, and then about two and a half, three weeks into it, uh, he figured it out, and I remember one day, you know, all his at-bats left, he, he kept his top hand on the bat, and he had like a full swing all the way to his back number, and uh, it's continued on, just like he does on the right side, but the left side, for switch hitters, as we've talked before in years past, me having been a switcher, you, know, you have a dominant side, and for him, there's no doubt that it's his right side where he feels very comfortable, but he adjusted. And now we're not seeing, you know, weak swings and, and uh, you know, hesitancy at the plate. You know, this team had just finished to oh, a stretch of 26 games in 27 days, got a day off, looked very fresh yesterday, get another day off Monday. How important is that and how important could the off days be after the regular season that this team, you know, gets to be able to kind of catch its breath? A lot. I mean, you know, they had a wicked uh, a road trip uh, that was intense, a nine-gamer, you know, moving in three cities. And uh, and it showed, you know, they, they did early well in the road trip, but then they got beat up. Um, I think this is key for them to get some rest, some uh, work, but, you know, not, not uh, kind of just not, not forget about what the next, process is because it's going to be intense what do you want to see in the final i don't know eight games of the regular season beyond hopefully getting home field edge and finishing up a division title uh you know both are uh obviously attainable so number one you know finish out the ale so you're sure that i i would like uh you know home field advantage throughout the playoffs i know some people are talking about oh maybe better play chicago no, no. be the team that, that it was the best in the AL and represents, again, in the World Series. And then number three, 
go after 100. I mean, how cool would that be? So that, that keeps you motivated. And you know that we swarm. So whoever you're putting out there in the roster, even if we're resting, uh, has so much ability because offensively, athletic-wise, we're a bunch of uh, Ben Zobers out there. Certainly are, and it's going to be really, really fun to watch these next uh, several weeks uh, unfold, hopefully next several weeks unfold. Oh, yes, we sir. appreciate some time on This Week in Rays Baseball. Hey, brother, and I thoroughly enjoy your show. I mean, I do my uh, – Rich and I and Dougie do our post-show, but sometimes I get to catch the last bits of <laughs> yours on, on my car on the way home, and, and I have yours going longer than ours. And yeah, you have a great show, a lot of uh, fan in, involvement. And your thoughts, obviously, uh, are right on point. Good, good job, buddy. Thank you. Let's hope we get a special celebration today. That is Arrestes Destrada of Valley Sports Sun. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification? You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball and joining us right now of the AAA championship team, the Durham Bulls, their manager, Brady Williams. Brady, you guys are still playing, but uh, you've already ended up with the best record in the league. Congratulations on a wonderful year. No, I appreciate it, Neil. Thanks for having me on. It's been quite the season. It's uh, quite the group. It's been a blast managing these guys. Like I said, it's a, it's a special, unique group, um, starting from the ATS all the way to where we're at now. Uh, a little strange to win a championship and still play baseball, but and uh, we're, we're here to uh, stay ready for, uh, for the major league team. Yeah, how difficult is it the final, let's say, two series of the season that you're trying to keep guys playing to play in case they get called up, but the games themselves really don't have a ton of meaning? Yeah, it's a t- it's a tough balance, you know, because every every team is playing. All thirty teams are playing in Triple A. Uh, there's no playoffs this year, uh, so we have these you know two five game sets against. You know, you're pretty much your division teams that you played already uh, to stay ready for a call up. But still, we're playing baseball, and last year we were not. So it's, there's still that uh, sense of you know youthful, youthfulness as you know you're playing a you're playing a, a kids game, and you're going to go out there and have fun and do your best. And uh, that's what we're going to do for our next ten games. So, what from your standpoint, what's been most gratifying? Is it the fact that the team has come up with the results? it has or that you've helped out the big league club what's been most gratifying to you there's been a lot because we, we've had i think we added them up the other day where there's been 77 players come through durham this year i think something like that around 50 50 pitchers and close to 20 or it's been like 75 25 players and you know some of them have impacted our major league team some have moved on through trades or just acquiring other players uh, but i think that's been pretty gratifying and to see our major league team do what they're doing with the, the amount of injuries that have happened for, for guys to come here and get called up and, and do their part up there has been, been awesome to see. And then the development of our young players here, you know, from, you know, the Josh Lowe's to the Shane Boz's to the Wander Franco's, the Vidal Brujan's, you know, there's been a lot of uh, growth in, on, on their part uh, to say the least. And there's some other guys that have kind of come out of, nowhere, so to speak. And that's Dalton Kelly and Renee Pinto. Those guys have had outstanding seasons and they put themselves in position to, you know, become major players at some point, either this year or next year. Yeah. How, um, how surprising has that been to you and, and those two players themselves, Kelly and Pinto, and how much growth have they shown? Yeah. Tremendous. You know, Dalton Kelly's been the most home runs, home runs ever hit in the season was nine and he got 26 this year. So there's been a lot of growth there. He's worked extremely hard on his swing and, trying to hit for more power with that comes some more strikeouts which we've seen this year but 
he's he proved to himself and the organization that he can hit for power. He did that this year. It was awesome to watch him kind of transform into that type of hitter. And then Rene Pinto, who's pretty much on the same level as that, where he's hit seven or eight home runs in the most. He's hit you know over 20 home runs this year. So from, from a catching standpoint, you know, he's been a, a solid receiver. He's got a cannon behind the plate. He's uh, improved immensely as far as his communication skills with his, with his pitchers. And then the powers come come last. And to see that total package behind the plate is pretty something special. From the four prospects that you mentioned, who's made the biggest jump in your mind this year, Brady? I think they all, in their own certain ways, they've all kind of made jumps in, in, in certain areas. You know, Josh Lowe has improved immensely in the outfield. That was a goal of his coming into the season. You know, the power and the speed have always been there. His average is a lot higher this year, so there's some growth there as far as uh, putting the ball in play a little bit more. Fidel Brujan has improved immensely as far as on the bases. Uh, just his stolen base percentage alone is kind of stands out to me. You know, I think he stole 40 bases. He's, he's been caught five times. Uh, so that right there tells me there's been growth, picking the right time to go, not just running to run, playing shortstop, second base, center field, left field, right field, just becoming a dynamic type player and not just okay at those positions, average to above average uh, defender. And so uh, it's been fun to watch that as well. You know, you've also had to balance guys going up and down, uh, the Lewis heads, the Dietrich ends, the Chris Mazas. How have you been able to manage that? And, and how have how impressed have you been with the way they've stayed so level-headed and produced at both levels all year? Well, you got to talk about their character first, you know, the, you know, and how they were raised. You got to, you got to, honestly, you got to, you got to credit their parents. You know, they're, they're extremely uh, well-versed in, uh, how to handle situations. Uh, they they love the game of baseball. I think just tre- treating them as people and as, you know, trying to treat them with respect and all that kind of stuff that goes along with that. They've they've handled that role. Uh, they've, it's not easy going up and down. Uh, me personally, I've never done it. I just know that it's got to be difficult to deal with the pressures of, of obviously performing at the highest level. And then, and then all of a sudden you get sent out and it's not, you know, your dream is kind of not there, but they stay, they stay ready. They stay focused and hats off to Dietrich. Hats off to Chris. Hats off to all the guys that have gone up and down. You've named, obviously, a, a pretty good core of about 10 guys. Is there anyone else who's maybe not on the radar that should be on the radar that's had a really good year that you're like, hey, people need to notice that this kid is pretty darn good and he's with us now? Yeah, we've had a, we've got a few of those guys down here. And it's just it's about opportunity. And sometimes, you know, you just kind of get stuck behind really good players. And you talk about our major league team. Where we have five really good outfielders and Josh Lowe having a really good season here. And I would say the most organizations, he probably would have had a chance to get called up, but you know, those guys have performed well. Uh, and then you got guys like Nate Lukies, who's hitting above 300, who's, who led AAA in, uh, in doubles this year. You know, the, the, probably his highest OPS of his career. Esteban Kiros, who's another kind of under the radar player. He's a little older, but uh, he's put together another solid season. He's got a career 400 uh, on base for some stature, but he's got a big heart and he can, and he can swing the bat. And pitching wise, are there any other names that I mean? I know some guys have kind of recently joined AAA, but that could have an impact in the future. Yeah, Tommy Romero stands out. You know, Tobias Myers is another one, but Tommy's really kind of been the guy that's impressed for the most part since he's been here, especially his last three or four starts. Uh, just a swing and miss on his fastball uh, is pretty much similar to, to to Joe Ryan, who we traded to uh, to Minnesota. But Tommy Romero, you know, he's had an 11 strikeout game, a 13 strikeout game, a 10 strikeout game. He had a stretch there in three games. I think he went 22 innings without giving up a giving up a hit. I think or close to it, uh, with a ton of swing and miss. And so there's definitely a a sign of him coming through, and we'll see when that happens. But it's been fun to watch him grow too. 
Well, I'm sure it's been enjoyable on so many levels, Brady. Uh, you've done a wonderful job and uh, enjoy this last week and change. And we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Yeah, I appreciate it, Neil. Appreciate the time. And that's the Durham Bulls manager, Brady Williams. The Bulls have won the league championship. They are 80 and 43 this season and one of three race affiliates who have 80 victories. No other team can say that. Coming up, we'll hear from Rays president Matt Silverman, pitcher Dietrich Enns, and celebrating 41 years in the game with Dewey Robinson, Rays pitching guru. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. This is the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and joining us right now is Rays team president Matt Silverman. And Matt, with the team now in the postseason for the third straight year for the first time in history, obviously it's a big deal for the franchise, but what does it mean? You know, it didn't hit me until uh, I heard the White Sox made the postseason for consecutive seasons, first first time in franchise history, and here we are with, with three in a row. You know, it, it, it really is a remarkable achievement. That's why we hang banners, so we can look back at, at these accomplishments and, and revel in them and, and, and you know, all those visible memories of, of these accomplishments. And, you know, you, you take a step back, you look back a couple of years, you look ahead to, to what's on the horizon for this franchise, and there's just a, a great amount of pride in this organization, what it's been able to do in, in the future ahead of us. This was the first time, though, the team had clinched at home in 10 years. What did that mean? Uh, you know, I think back to COVID uh, last year and, and all the accomplishments, all the celebrations, and what was missing were the fans, that, you know, that communal feeling, the celebrations in the stands. You know, it's one thing to have these achievements, but it doesn't feel complete without the, the celebration in the stands and you know feeling that the, the community behind you and you know just really really nice to, to do that you know a special treat for the fans who came and uh, you know hoping that we get uh, another opportunity or several opportunities uh, the rest of the season. Certainly, and we certainly hope the AL East is one of those things. What would it mean to win the division title, and how important is it? Okay, that that's the prize. You know it, that's the mark that we aspire to when when camp opens up in February. This is, the, this is the toughest division in the sport. This year, four of the best clubs in all of baseball, we play them 18, 19 times a year. Uh, winning the East is a real jewel accomplishment, and, and what we've done so far this year just, just shows how good this team is, how good these players are. Could you have imagined this, though, when you came on board more than a decade and a half ago? You've been in the postseason now seven out of 14 years, three years in a row, one of the best franchises in the sport. Yeah, I read the press release and I saw the, the the number seven, and I started counting on my fingers to recount all of them, and that and that really brought home to me how incredible this, like you said, decade and a half has been for the team. Yeah, I remember back in 2006, 2007, the goals were much more pedestrian. It was about scoring more runs in the season than we gave up. Like that was the goal. Um, we have much loftier goals this year, much higher expectations um, for this franchise, and I think that just shows the you know the development of this franchise. We expect to win. We have a winning culture, and and, and people expect us to win. Matt Silverman with us on this weekend, raised baseball, and Matt. In the midst of all this, during this run, you guys elevated the title of Eric Neander um, to president of baseball operations. Why was that important, and why was it important to do at that point? We always want the focus to be on our, our players. It, it's about their accomplishments, it's about the team accomplishments. You know, to, to quote an old friend, it's about wins and losses at the major league level. And the, and the last thing Eric would want is to take away focus from the players and, and their success, but. I think we were getting to the point where the, the public questions were becoming a little bit of a nuisance. You know, it was really easy just to nip that in the bud, to get the information out there, 
to celebrate Eric briefly and, and see how uncomfortable it makes him feel, which is, which is an extra bonus, and then return the focus back to the season and, and the quest before us. You know, one other thing, it's, it's contract season for a lot of our employees in baseball operations, and you know, as they're making decisions about their future, we thought it was helpful for them to know the, the long-term commitment between Eric and the organization. You mentioned also earlier the importance of the fans and them being in the building for the clinch. So what are you guys going to do with capacity in the postseason, and are you going to expand it? Yeah, we, Yes, we're, we're planning on uh, opening up the upper deck and rolling up the tarps. I think uh, capacity to start will be in the low 30s and then has the chance to increase from there if we're for- so fortunate to be able to go deeper into the postseason. You know, and tickets are going on sale next week, and I, I'm excited for the environment that we're going to create here at the TROP. Does that remind you of the last time you opened the Tarps? That was 2019 for those two playoff games against Houston. I think they're some of the most memorable games in franchise history. Yeah, and they had been a long time in the making. There had been a little bit of a drought between postseason appearances, and I, I remember the towels. Uh, I remember the, the volume, uh, and, of course, the, the wins, but that, those were those were raised crowds. There were 30,000-plus raised fans uh, against those Astros, and uh, the atmosphere was electric. Uh, I think the fans loved it. I know the players loved it. It was, you know, an extra lift that we had for the team. And, and uh, when this place is rocking, when, when the trough is full, it's one of the best places in all of baseball to watch a game. Matt, I know you want to focus on the field, um, but I know in the background you guys have been working on this Sister City project. Um, is that still going on as we speak? Yeah, we it, we are working away and, and making progress both here and in uh, in Montreal, but you know, as this wonderful season has uh, unfolded on the field, we wanted to be very considerate about making it a, the focus about that and not our ballpark efforts. We we want the center of attention to be firmly on the team, and so the focus will be there and and what October can bring. Um, but I expect that once the page turns to the off season, we're going to be more visible and more vocal about our plans because we're entering crunch time. Our, our lease here at the TROP expires after the 2027 season, so and the, the time to solve this issue is now. You know, and w- one new thing I wanted to mention, you know, for the postseason, we're going to add a sign in the right field foul territory with a very simple Tampa Bay Montreal graphic. You know, especially with the eyes of baseball on us this October, we want that visible symbol of, of our plan and our excitement for it. You know, it, it, it'll mark the effort subtly, and keep the focus on on winning and winning games in October and you know getting to that final game maybe and you know finally winning it you know one time first time in franchise history certainly would love to see that what can you share though about what discussions are going on at this point if there's anything you want to share yeah I, I don't want to dive too deep in the minutia but but I'm very encouraged by the conversations we're having and the, and the progress that we're making you know, uh, as our fans and, and sponsors and, and government officials have had more time to digest and understand the plan, you know, and especially after the 2020 season where you know fans couldn't even attend the games, but they still felt so connected to the team. You know, our, our, the focus has really shifted to the positives of this idea and what it can unlock. You know, it, it's about beautiful open air ballparks and games when when the, the weather is ideal. It's a, a public facility that can host baseball, soccer, football, graduation, concerts, you, know, you name it. Uh, it. It's about a connection with Montreal that will only be additive to our local economy in terms of jobs, tourism, commerce. And you know, Montreal, to us, is the best city to partner with because of the weather patterns, the East Coast time zone, and you know, Canada's historic uh, presence as a you know, tourism market and economic partner. You know, th- those things may not be a top priority for our fans, but it's very important to our elected officials who are getting behind this.
the other thing I wanted to ask, is there anything that you guys want to clarify? Um, maybe misconceptions that are out there, things of that nature. We believe in our sister city plan. Major League Baseball believes in it fully. It's the best and possibly only chance for baseball to be here for generations. That's been our sole focus. It's never been about other markets and relocation overtures. It's always been about how we can make it work here. I've lived here for 17 years now. Brian Ald, too. Our owner, Stu Sternberg, lives here. Kevin Cash grew up here. It's, it, it's our hometown. We, we desperately want the race to succeed, for our area to continue to flourish, and for, for baseball to be a big part of that success. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, there's been an encouraging shift among our fans and community and a real openness about the plan. Mayor Castor was the first official who spoke up and expressed openness, and more voices are joining that chorus. And I'm more optimistic today than I've ever been that we're going to make this happen and we're going to secure the race future here in Tampa Bay for decades to come. In the meantime, let's hope that this is an awesome postseason. Thanks very much for a few minutes. Appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. And that's race president Matt Silverman on the field. Tampa Bay's used 61 players, 38 pitchers this regular season, both franchise records. Among the group, Dietrich Enns, who was a player coach in independent ball before Tampa Bay signed him last year. And I asked Dietrich, who earned a big save against the Blue Jays this week, what this year has meant. Yeah, it's just been uh, a dream come true, and uh, it's been an opportunity that I've wanted to have, you know, my whole whole career, you know, especially this year, spending, um, the, you know, the, the majority of the year in Durham just trying to find a way onto this roster, you know, because everyone here is, you know, very talented. So just trying to find a way, you know, get an opportunity up here and, and just really run with it was, uh, you know, my main goal, and I'm just trying to do that every single day. You talk about the talent here, but obviously you're, you're quite talented as well. How much has this helped your overall confidence and that believing in that you belong here? Oh, yeah, it's huge into that. And, you know, it's a snowball effect and just trying to uh, take it one day at a time and really just build off of uh, the positives and uh, just keep just keep getting better each day and finding finding a routine and in, and really running with that. Have you pinched yourself a little bit, especially after you got the last out against the Blue Jays in a base-loaded situation? Uh, not really. I, you know, it's, baseball is a funny game. you got to take it one day at a time. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll sit back and look at it uh, after the year's over. You know, hopefully we have a long a long run this, this year. So, Where have you grown the most this season? We knew that when the Rays signed you out of independent ball last year, your stuff had taken major steps. But where have you grown this year? I think the biggest thing for me coming into the Rays organization is just getting into the strike zone more and, you know, letting my stuff play in the strike zone and being in advantage counts. Uh, it really helps me a lot. So the biggest thing for me is just locking in on my mechanics and, and locking in on the strike zone. Is that more a physical thing or is it more a mental thing? It, it's twofold. I think it's both. It's definitely a, a physical thing to, to get in the strike zone, but to do it consistently and then to have the mindset is, is definitely a mental uh, approach to, to the game. So how have, let's say, Kyle here and Stan here helped you with that, and where have they, have they been most helpful? The most helpful they've been is just simplifying the game and slowing it down for me and letting me know and giving me the confidence that my stuff is going to play in the zone. You just got to gotta be in the zone and then letting the results take care of themselves after that. How about adjusting to being you started, you worked as a bulk, you worked in short relief, just those adjustments in terms of routine? I try to keep my routine the same no matter what. Really, the mental approach of facing a hitter, whether it's for one batter or you're slated to go out there for six, seven innings or something like that, try and keep the same approach. And that is a part of the, uh, the simple mindset, simple process that has helped me so much in not trying to 
go out there as a starter and be like, I got six innings to, to cover, you know, and then not getting out of the first like I've done in the past, but things like that. Just simplifying it and, uh, you know, facing one hitter at a time and really slowing the game down has helped me uh, with my approach going to the bullpen too because nothing has really changed. Uh, coming in with runners on base, I'm still trying to just attack the hitter and focus on my strengths and let the results take care of themselves. And in terms of your routine, have any of the other relievers who have done that more frequently helped you with that? And have been anything you've adjusted versus, let's say, you're on a five- or six-day routine where you know, hey, I'm pitching this day and I use the other days for rest, recovery, and, and bullpens and that sort of thing? Yeah, I've definitely just been uh, – watching from a distance of guys uh, in the bullpen, their routine, how they get ready, how they prepare mentally in the bullpen when it's their time to to go in the game, uh, just in between innings, uh, you know, the, the pace of, of that. So that's definitely helped me just to be able to watch and, and kind of spectate to those other guys in the pen, um, knowing because they have, you know, rock-solid routines too. So it, it is a little different in the sense that as a starter, you can be on a, more of a plan and you can map out every day, whereas the bullpen every day is – you know, a challenge in itself, so you have to just prepare yourself like you're ready to pitch every single day. So for me, uh, just having that approach and being able to lean on the older guys and the guys that have been doing it for a while in the bullpen has definitely helped me a lot. Are there any particular guys who've been especially helpful because there are some veterans down there? Yeah, I mean, all of them. I, I, I just watch, you know, what they do in between innings and, uh, you know, the, the routines they take once they're, you know, told to get hot, uh, just seeing the pace of, of them getting ready, and uh, I think it's helped me. And, you know, I don't need to be ready in two pitches, but I definitely need to be ready quicker, and uh, that's something that I've, I've just noticed other guys doing, and, you know, but making sure you're ready before going out there. And you mentioned coming up from Durham. How much is your comfort level being around so many guys that you played with there that are here with you now? Yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, being on the uh, at the alternate site last year in the taxi squad, got familiarity with the coaching staff up here and the players up here, and then and then being in Durham and seeing a lot of the guys like Wander and Shane Boz and uh, McClanahan early in the earlier in the year at the alt site, like you know Conley. Just being around those guys has been been awesome to see their success, and then you know them come translate to success up here in the big leagues, and it, you know it gives me familiarity and to know that you know I belong here too. Indeed, he does. Dietrich ends option today with Josh Fleming recalled, and as good as it's been this week for the Rays, there was some tough news after 12 years with the Rays, 41 in the game. Dewey Robinson stepping away from the uh, Rays organization. Dewey, thanks very much for the time. My pleasure, Neil. So tell me how you ended up making this decision and, and why. Well, first of all, it's not a, it wasn't a knee-jerk decision. It was something that I've been contemplating for over the last couple of years. And as you well know, they kind of shifted my role to a director to kind of lighten, lighten my workload on the day-to-day stuff. Well, guess what happened? Pandemic hit and, you know, everything was chaotic a lot of changes going on you know losing losing two minor league teams so over the course of the year where things were supposed to be lightening up for me it was probably one of the most trying years I had gone through just organizing and trying to stay on top of things and and the whole structure at no fault to anybody um, I just I've been doing this a long time especially as a coordinator and I was kind of looking to make a clean break, take a breather, and see what my next chapter in life uh, will be. I, I'm extremely blessed to have all this time in in professional baseball and can actually walk away 
and retire if I chose to. Um, I'm not a golfer. I have a bad back and everything. I've had back surgery. I've got all kinds of minor physical problems. I, I don't go fishing. I can't get on a boat because I get motion sickness. So I think down the road, I'm definitely going to be doing something in baseball. I just don't know at this point what it's going to be, but I'm really excited about the decision and what's ahead. So just to understand, if there were no pandemic, do you think you'd still be doing this or wouldn't have come to this kind of conclusion? I'm not sure. I was hoping in the new role that, um, th- like I said, things would lighten up and and a little less of the, the day-to-day options or or things that I had to do in organizing and structuring the organization. That's, that's hard to say, Neil, but I just, you know, that didn't happen. We had a lot of things happen this year, so I just I felt like it uh, needed to make a clean break. What are you proudest of? Well, there's a lot of things um, that have gone on over the last, uh, well, 12 years, but in particular the last few years is the – solidity of the pitching department uh, from top to bottom in our organization it's it's we have a lot of different voices but it's always the same message you know strike one race to two strikes and use your good stuff to put hitters away and I think you know I don't even follow this much but I've been told this a couple times on the year that uh, we lead minor league baseball in fewest amount of walks. We lead them in uh, strikeouts. You know, we're in the top five in just about every category. I know we have a lot of talent, but it's thriving through the policies, the procedures the, that we, we preach and teach throughout the organization. And, and a lot of the pitchers have thrived in this. So, to answer your question, what, what I get most excited about and most proud of when you see one of the guys come through your system from rookie ball and he makes his major league debut for us at the Trop, that's that's what it's all about. I'm one of the few people in baseball as a coordinator or director as you, you're hands-on with them when they first come into the organization and you watch their progress go through the organization and it's extremely rewarding when you see a guy get to the big leagues, whether it's with us or another organization. Man, that's really neat. That was exciting. I was like a nervous father watching Shane make his debut. You know, from that perspective, Dewey, I'm kind of curious on your take. You always want to leave places better than when you came. Do you feel better about where the organization is pitching-wise now than, let's say, 2009, 2010 when you came in here? Well, it's always been good. I won't, <laughs> I won't uh, say that. I think it's always been a strong suit here, but I feel like, yes, I'm going to say yes to your question that at this point we are better than we were back then, and, and I'll give a lot of credit, I say this quite a bit, to our three scouting departments, the international scouting department, the amateur, and the pro. The arms that they have brought in since I've been here have been incredible now that's it always starts there you have to have talent I think we're pretty good at developing that talent but you have to have a good arm uh, a good body you know a good approach that uh, to start with and as you kind of move forward is there any particular you know 
challenge there was to to make this decision? What was the hardest part about breaking now? Saying goodbye, you know, that this is final, that uh, I even told Jeff and Carlos after after um, I told them that I wouldn't be resigning, that I would be moving on, that if they even asked me to write my own job description to stay, I, I didn't even, I, I said I couldn't even do that because I know myself and how I operate and, and I'm involved a lot and I'm hands-on. And then if you just said, okay, you can kind of be a consultant or oversee things, stuff like that. The fact that I've been here running this for 12 years, I, I, I just couldn't see myself doing that with this organization. And, and I thought it would be a disservice not only to me, but them also. That's why I wanted to make... I wanted to make a clean break and say, okay, this is a new chapter in my life. We'll see what, what's in store, put it in the Lord's hands, and just uh, take it from there. And I'm guessing you not only feel good about the talent that's in place in terms of the pitchers in this organization, but also about the people? Oh, of course. Uh, and I, I, I tell this all the time to my friends and colleagues in, in other organizations organizations it's not just the job here it's a family it's such a a warm feeling throughout the organization that family comes first we we develop a lot of close relationships here but if you have any issues problems with your family they always say take care of that first and you really get a sense of that throughout the organization where Guys aren't trying to climb over themselves, over each other to try to get to the next level, to the big leagues. The number one priority, it's always the player, the pitcher, trying to get, give him an opportunity to get better and get to the big leagues. That's the, that's the central theme that's always been preached here and, and it continues to this day. Well, we're happy for you, but we're certainly going to miss you, Dewey. We appreciate some time on This Week in Race Baseball. Thanks, Neil. I'm still a big fan. I, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be at the playoff games, hopefully the World Series. I'd really like to be, to get a World Series ring. I've gotten some playoff rings and everything, but I'd like to get the the final one. And uh, it's going to be exciting. I'll tell you that. I'm excited for our club and to see how this plays out the next month. And that's Ray's pitching guru, Dewey Robinson. We appreciate him and all of our guests on the program today. Ray's catcher and team MVP, Mike Zanino, Orestes Estrada of Bally Sports Sun, President of the organization, Matt Silverman, Brady Williams, Durham's manager, and also pitcher Dietrich Enns. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons. Next week, a special look back at this regular season and the postseason ahead. Special thanks, too, to my producer, Derek DuBose. I'm Neil Solons. Ray's getting set for the Marlins on this Saturday night. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next from Tropicana Field on the Rays Baseball Network.